0: Welcome to a very special episode of the Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. This is a very, very unique experience for me where I get to spotlight some of the amazing shows that I've been on. And I handpick shows like today. This is a rebroadcast of the Eat for Life podcast with host Samantha Gilbert. Now, she's a nutritional therapist, she dives deep into neuroscience and epigenetics and all kinds of things around emotional and physical intelligence, which is near and dear to my heart. In this podcast, we're going to go deep into the aspects of the five sides of the wellness Pentagon, how I've ran my journey towards the center of my heart, and at times had to develop the courage in order to do so. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. You can check out Samantha's podcast. And as always, we appreciate your reviews. Just go to joshtrent.com forward slash review. Leave a review for this podcast. If this podcast touches your heart or it makes you think or feel or act differently, tag us, Josh Official on Instagram. Make sure you go over to Samantha's website. Again, that's eatfor.life and the podcast is called Eat For Life. Enjoy the episode with Samantha and myself right here right now on Wellness & Wisdom.
1: I'm really excited for this conversation because I can so relate to your story and your healing journey. So again, thank you for being here with me. To set the stage for a moment, I really want to dive into how breathwork can be an amazing tool for healing. But I also think it's important to have a discussion about emotional regulation and emotional intelligence because I see people are often blocked from actually feeling their feelings. And I strongly believe that naming and being honest about how we're feeling and how we've been harmed, I think that's key, is an important and necessary aspect of the healing process. And you know, I also feel like we've been conditioned To disregard our feelings, which creates a lot of confusion and sadness. And I know you've talked about that a lot on other podcasts. As an example, in the past, I literally would stuff myself with food as a way to stuff my feelings Mm. and push them aside, which, you know, I know so many of our listeners can relate to. And, to kind of dive in, would you tell me about the moment in your life when you realized that something needed to change? Can you describe for us what that was like and maybe where you were before this experience?
0: Well, there's been multiple Dark Nights of the Soul heroes journey, return, separation, initiation. But I would say probably the biggest one that would be of service to people that are dealing with mental health issues would be when I was 21-22, Twenty-one, twenty-two, right in the middle of that life period. And I was in a body that I hated. I was 280 pounds. I was in a job that I hated. I was an automotive technician, not using my gifts, not using my voice, not connecting. And I was in a relationship that... I really was disempowered in. So, I mean, health, wealth, relationships, everything was like pointing me towards transformation. And I got to this place where I really had a gut check moment at a party. I was drinking beer as a lot of like young 20-year-olds do. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with beer if it's done in a healthy way, but I was using it in a very unhealthy way. And I looked down, I had this belly hanging over I was just very upset with my life. I didn't know what these feelings I was feeling meant. I didn't know anything about emotional intelligence. I was just ripe for transformation. Mm-hmm. And so I had this moment where I put down the party cup and I felt this feeling like a, a very God-like feeling. I think it was one of the first times I've ever really experienced God before. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean a bearded guy in the sky. I mean like an omnipresent energy that guides and loves all things. And I put that party cup down and I just felt this message come through. And the message said, there is more to life than this. There is Mm -hmm. more to life than using food and alcohol and all these different things to squash down what I was experiencing. And so I ran home drunk in that moment. I was drunk. I ran home like three miles. I opened the computer. It was 2002 at the time. So it was like this big, bulky computer, you know, and I think (laughs) I typed in like, how do I be healthy? And that led me on a completely different trajectory in my life. I ended up leaving, selling everything I owned, moving to Hawaii, finding personal training, being a a health professional for 10 years, working with clients, 10,000 hours in gyms. And then that led me to some deeper emotional work. And that deeper emotional work led me to having another dark night of the soul. And then finding podcasting and then being here with you today, seven years from that point.
1: Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us, Josh. I again, as, you know, kind of a, as I said a moment ago, I really relate to your story. We have so much in common. Yeah, being in a body that you hate—that's actually in my bio on my website. That exact uh, verbiage. I was working in the fashion industry at the time, and most people go, "Oh, you were a designer? Wow, how amazing!" And I go, "No, not so much. It was really, and still is, not a very pleasant industry to be in." And I knew that I like all of us, right, was destined for something else, something Mm -hmm. greater, something that, you know, I was made for. And again, we're all made for something specific. We all have gifts. We all have talents. We all have ways of connecting with people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that we kind of hone in on that too, because I've heard you speak about this kind of took me to my knees moment. And I loved how you said, you know, we have more than one of those in our in our lifetime. You know, we're going to have more than one of those moments. Yeah. I thought it was also interesting how the physical transformation of you getting healthy, becoming a trainer, you know, obviously a healthy eating is going to go along with that, how that kind of propelled you into more of this beautiful spiritual, emotional journey. And I did the same thing. It was like, I, yes, I was using food to numb, I was a binge eater, compulsive overeater from the time I was about five years old. Mm. And I had this transformation too, lost a lot of weight. Suddenly I was getting this attention that I hadn't had before because I was always very shy, but it felt still kind of empty, you know? And I felt like, okay, there's something more like, yeah, again, the God moment, however you define that, Mm -hmm. that helps me realize, okay, there's more to this vessel that I'm in than just my physicality and what I look like on the outside. Yes. Again, I just think that's what is so beautiful about your story, and I'm glad that we were able to start off in that way. Regarding breathwork, I'm I'm really curious, what drew you to breathwork? I know that's part of your story of this emotional transformation as well. If we can kind of dive into that for a bit, looking at breathwork, how that's transformed you, maybe some benefits, maybe a little bit about what the science tells us.
0: Yes, so I found breath... Because actually, breath found me. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it was. Love that. And sometimes our lives can be like a movie. Yeah. And I, I found that the more I was in anxiety, which I believe is a fear of the future or a lack of self-love or understanding or trust in oneself mm-hmm. for the future, where we don't trust, quote, quote, that we can handle the future. That's, I believe, what creates all anxiety. Mm-hmm. Or we're ruminating in the past which is this depression, which is the opposite of expression. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm depressed, that means that my default mode network is very activated. My amygdala is wired for stress and fight or flight. And I'm spending most of my time when I'm supposed to be in the present moment, in the past or in the future. And so I battled that for a long time, all of my 20s and my early 30s. And it wasn't until about 2016 where I was at a workshop with Mark Devine called Unbeatable Mind. And I'll never forget this. I was laying on the floor and we were doing what's called warrior breathing that I teach a lot of my students in Breathe. And that's a breath and wellness program that we can talk more about. It's at breathwork.io. And so I was laying on the ground and I was being led through these warrior breaths. And after about 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, what is this water coming out of my eyes? Like, what, why am I crying right now? Like, what is this? And I felt this cathartic release before I knew what cathartic release was. And I got to this place where I was like, I want more of that because I and all of us want peace. That's really what we want. We want a escape from our biology, keeping us as a slave. Mm -hmm. We want an escape from the tyrant in the mind that continues to, we allow, by the way, to bully us and keep us in the past or push us in the future. Like right now with you and I, it feels great because we're just here. Yeah. we're just here talking. There's no pressure. It's a beautiful space for expansion and discovery and curiosity, but it's not like that sometimes when we're alone. And so that was my case. And when breath found me, I wanted more of it. Mm-hmm. And I got to this place where a year later, I wanted to do what's called a 20X crucible, where I would go overnight for 14 hours of Navy SEAL training, doing uh, workouts and running and all these things. And I, I got a tattoo on my arm And the tattoo is, se posso respirare, posso Mm scegliere," And what that means in Italian is, if I can breathe, I can choose. Love that. Because if I can breathe, no matter how hard physically something is, or emotionally it is, or mentally it is, if I can, (sighs) as much as I need to, then I'm going to be okay. I can choose to be okay. But the very thing that happens to us when we're in that fight or flight state And by the way, it's not just fight or flight. It's also fawn or flee. Mm -hmm. It's one of the trauma responses. I and all of us, we can actually choose to get out of that state, get out of the clutches of anxiety and depression and feeling compressed by using the only tool. And this is the key. The only tool that we have in our biology that is autonomic, meaning automatic. We have two branches of the the autonomic nervous system. And I'll touch on them briefly. I'm sure you've spoken about them on the show many times. Mm -hmm. But on the one side, we have our sympathetic, which is what I just talked to you about, fighting or, or, or fleeing or fighting. It's also fawning, which is something really interesting. And then on the other side, we have something that's called our parasympathetic, which is our resting, our digesting, our relaxation. It's when everything's moving slowly and we're in connection and love. So we have to shift ourselves out of that compression or that panic mode and put ourselves over into the relaxation branch of the autonomic nervous system. That is the biggest deal that breathwork can do. And here's the key. It's the only lever we have. So it's both voluntary and involuntary, but there's a way to do that. And we can unpack that a lot more because a lot of breathwork is seen in public as people going, I'm doing holotropic breathing and Wim Hof and those things have a time and a place, but... I really feel like breath has three specific categories, and mm-hmm. each one of those categories need a lot of love and a lot of care.
1: I really appreciate you saying that, and how breath work can be this, again, lever to impact our nervous system positively. And so, when it comes to things like depression, anxiety, OCD, and we get stuck and we get scared and we're, you know, we're white knuckling through whatever. I love that saying, if I can breathe, I can choose. I can choose in this moment yes. to take a step back. And I have to do that all the time. I'm sure you do too. You know, we're constantly bombarded with so many things, especially over the last, is it two and a half years now? Three years? I've lost track of time, just to Who knows? I mean,
0: the theater's still going. The, the, the media is f- still <laughs> attaching to their theater for clicks. Yes, exactly.
1: of course. <laughs> well said. Amen yeah. to that. But choice. And I really... That's so important. I want our listeners to really hear how you have this choice in any moment to take a step back, which is just amazingly beautiful. Josh, I'm curious. Can we talk a bit more about like benefits? You know, we know that you know the, the calming of the the nervous system, yes. how that impacts the limbic system. Those things are really powerful. But what are some of the benefits that you see specifically in your clients and in the work that you do and the programs that you run? And and is there I'm curious, do you have anything to share with regard to science and breathwork?
0: Wow, there's so much. I mean, this is such a great intellectual question, right? Because we're half beast and half spirit. So Mm, obviously, if I'm going to do anything about my own health mentally, which is what you talk about so much on this show, there's actually a pre-frame, if you don't mind. I'd love to go into this pre-frame of really the deeper aspects of the question you're asking. And that is, on a scientific basis, what can breathwork do to benefit my life? Like, what am I really going to get out of this mm-hmm. as far as like the computational value for my own computer? And I get that. And I think... That is very important. And it's, I've never been in the camp to completely ignore science. I, I don't think science is a god. I agree. But I do think that science is important. Mm-hmm. And so the pre-frame is this. You and I, we, we live in a physical body. We live in a meat suit. We have a meat radio, which sends and receives information. And in order for us to, to really embody the best life possible, we have to eat healthy food and drink clean water And we also have to care for this physical vessel in regards to movement. Mm -hmm. But that is one side of what I believe is a pentagon. And this is what I've been teaching. Life is a pentagon. Wellness is a pentagon. We have our mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial self that we really have to nourish here on planet Earth in order for us to live the best life possible. So breathwork applies actually to all of these things. Breathwork is almost like the foundation. It's almost like the... You know, if we were to turn a a pentagon into a six-sided shape, Mm -hmm. but literally the house that we live in, it has walls, it has a floor, and it has a roof, right? Every single one of those that I spoke about, those five sides of the pentagon, they are dramatically impacted by breath. It literally is the fuel, literally and figuratively, the fuel that allows all of these aspects of ourself to be alive, to be here on planet Earth. So from a scientific perspective, in spiritus, the, the Latin root for breath, Right? Mm. You are inspiring, you are breathing oneself, but you're also being breathed, which is so surreal. I remember I was on a podcast once and the guest asked me, they said, Are you aware that you're breathing, but are you aware that something else is breathing you? Mm. And I thought, Wow, that's so fascinating. Like God or intelligence Mm. or higher power, whatever nomenclature you want to use, is breathing you and I. It's breathing you and I. And we are breathing ourselves as well. So from a scientific perspective, breath is life because our cells are aerobic, which means they need oxygen in order to survive. And some of our cells are anaerobic, but those cells are still fed by pathways that are connected to aerobic. So in a way, even anaerobic cells depend on on oxygen. Mm -hmm. So breath is life. So without doing proper breathing, without performing proper breathing... All of us are going to suffer. Here's three ways that yeah. people really suffer from improper breathing patterns. A lot of the clients I work with, and you'd be surprised, is people at the top of their fields, I've had them over here to the studio and we'll do a private. They'll lay on the ground. I'll put a five-pound sandbag on their belly and I'll ask them, breathe in through your nose, fill your belly. Inhale, belly rises. Exhale, belly falls. And when they breathe in through their nose, their belly goes in. They're reverse breathing pattern people. And many of us, we, we breathe improperly because it's a stress response and we learned it from our parents or our caregivers, or we just learned it from life in general. And so that's the number one thing is, is check right now. Everyone listening, you know, if you're driving your car or wherever you are, take a big breath in through your nose and your belly should rise. (sighs) Breathe out through your mouth, belly falls. Now, you probably noticed right away, okay, when I breathe in through my nose, my belly actually goes in. Oh my gosh, I'm in a pro- improper breathing pattern. Don't worry, we fix this all the time mm-hmm. in the Breathe program. I and mean, it's like probably the number one thing, the number one thing that we fix is that that thing. Yeah. Now, the second is postural deviation. So I know we're here on audio, but just imagine an elderly person who has the, the lump on their back where they have kyphosis, yeah. Yeah. where they're leaning forward and their scalenes are tight, their sternocleidomastoid is tight. Their pectoralis is tight. And so what we have to do with a lot of people in the program is we have to show them how to actually open up their entire front panel, Mm. right? And instead of elongating the paraspinals, we have to shorten the paraspinals. We have to shorten Mm. the muscles on their back, on their posterior that make them stand tall. And we have to open and lengthen everything. I'm talking, we have a module in the program where we actually teach people how to foam roll their organs properly so that with the flow of, pooping, basically. Mm -hmm. Whatever Mm -hmm. scientific term you want to use for pooping, but you have to flow (laughs) in the order of poop. Otherwise, you're pushing poop back into your body. You don't want to do that, right? Mm, Defecating. So so (laughs) we have so many things. So that's the second thing is postural deviations. And then the third is actually just their practice, their style of breathing, their ability to take full inhales and full exhales and also be able to hold what I call breath hold retentions, which increase NO2, which is a positive form of nitric oxide. It's better for oxidative stress. Mm -hmm. It's better for stress regulation and adaptability. So those are the three big ways that people, I guess you could say, breathe wrong. And most people breathe because there's so much tension in the system, their jaw, their neck, their lower back. Most people are just white knuckling through the day. They're just trying to, quote, get through the day. Mm -hmm. And... I'll stop there, but that's that's essentially the problem that we see for many of students, many of the students, and across the world. And there are some easy solutions. Like the solutions do not have to be complicated.
1: Yeah, I love that you share. I mean, so many pearls there, Josh. Because I, I agree with you; it doesn't have to be complicated. And I think our world is already so complicated. There's, in my opinion, please correct me if I'm not quite you know accurate on this, but just from what I see as a practitioner. Because of that, we're kind of conditioned to think that, okay, well, this is going to be one more thing I have to do. That's going <laughs> yeah. to be too much to do yeah, and yeah. too overwhelming. Yes. So I think it, it's really encouraging to me to hear you say that. I loved how you walked us through those three steps or three ways that you know we often get it wrong with breathing. And the oxidative stress piece, that's really key because I work with a lot of high oxidative stress people. Mm, There's mm. a biochemical underpinning to that. Obviously there's gut dysbiosis, there's epigenetics. There's so much that goes on there. So much. As you know, I mean, you've talked about this a lot on other shows, but I love how, again, breath, if I can breathe, I can choose because it's just so incredibly beautiful to me Mm. that how that can in and of itself help with reducing that oxidative stress. It's powerful. And one thing I want to say about science, and I know we're not, uh, on video, but those were air quotes that I used. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's be honest. We've had a lot peeled back in that regard over the last, you know, two and a half years or so. We know there's a lot of challenges there. Yeah. I ask that question because I think there are people that are doing good work, honest work, because they're coming from a good place, but it's so blatantly obvious. You can feel in your body immediately yeah. how much more calm you are. So yeah. we don't need studies to prove that breath work is a powerful healing tool. I want to be on. I think most of my listeners know that about me. I love the science. I love to geek out on it, but it's got its limitations and we have to be careful in that regard.
0: Absolutely. You know, I do, again, we live in a dualistic world. So it's really Mm -hmm. important for me to never fall into a mentality that there's only one way. And I mean, we really have to take that in right now. Mm -hmm. There's not one way to breathe. There's not one way to think. There's not science that is the all-encompassing God. We have, unfortunately, in this world, and I used to do this, so I speak from experience— We have made science a god of safety. Oh, yes. Where as long as science tells us that we are safe, then we have a quote, perceived sense of safety, which is absolute BS. To live is to be unsafe. If you really want to live, you have to be right in the middle of safety and danger. You have to be right there Mm -hmm. if you really want to live. And that freaks out all the parents. I mean, I have a son and I'm like, I don't want him to be unsafe, Mm -hmm. you know? But yesterday, for example, he's on the couch and I had this feeling, I'm like, I think he's going to fall off the couch. No, you got to let him learn. You got to let him learn that there's gravity. Mm. And three seconds later, he falls off the couch, hits his head, and now he's crying. Mm. I run over to him and I'm like, I knew I should have I I saved him. And I'm like, well, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe the part of me learning how to be a parent is that I actually watch my child go through challenge Obviously, if there's a threat to his life or or grave danger, I'm going to step in. Mm -hmm. But we have made science our parent. We have made Mm -hmm. science our parent. Science has been this mommy-daddy that we have to be good for. We have to be good for science, because if we're not, then mainstream media will shut us down and we'll be cancel-cultured. And it is like the saddest thing that we have left God and higher intelligence out of the conversation. We have left our intuition out of the conversation. And are we really that surprised? that ADHD, OCD, and all these mental health issues are exploding Mm. because all of those things are a byproduct of an overloaded mind, of an overloaded mind that is connected to science as a God, a mommy and daddy that we have to be good for. What a a, a crazy pressure chamber for us to try to just breathe and live inside of in this construct of science being our parent and being a God. Mm. What an absolute joke. We have to find the middle of, of science and of spirit. We, we have to find the middle.
1: Mm. Amen to that. Wow. Well said, Josh. Thank you. Because I think that what you just shared with us is so critical and so key to moving forward as a community and as people that actually care about one another. Yes. And have good intentions for one another, not just ourselves, but also our neighbor. Yes. You know? Yes. I mean, how can we move forward if we don't come from that space of humility and compassion and empathy and awareness? And and when you were talking, I thought very specifically about how just, I have to say this, our our intuition, our discernment for so many people, I've noticed that's gone out the window. I'm like, what has happened here that we're all rushing and trusting an entity thinking that this entity has our back?
0: What do you mean by entity? Government. Sure.
1: Pharmaceutical industry. Sure. Big ag. I mean, I think I kind of put all of them into one area. There's just so, so much fear, propaganda that's, you know, been going on for decades. But we've really seen the machine. I think, well, let's say, I think more people have opened their eyes up to see the machine over the last you know, two and a half years or so.
0: I would say you're right. And I would say it's gone on for way longer than that. It's probably millennia that it's gone on for. I mean, look back to ancient Rome with bread and circus. Mm, So for people that don't know, you can just do a quick search online. People were in such abject poverty. Like we are so fortunate to live in the United States. And if you're listening in another country, I hope you have the same freedoms that we have in some way. Oh my God, we are so, even the poorest people, in America, Mm. are some of the wealthiest people in other countries. And we just forget that. It's very easy to forget that. We live in a land of freedom. I'm not saying that we took it in the way that was most compassionate or that was most in valor. But I will say that like we have so much freedom here and we have so much autonomy. and, And also at the very same time, we are being controlled and we are slaves. But to go back on what you just said, this entity that you mentioned, if you look back Thousands of years ago, when ancient Rome was in its height, there were bread and circuses in the Colosseum where they were literally, and this is the craziest thing, feel into this, y'all. We used to watch people as a humanity and we would cheer for people to die Mm -hmm. in an Italian Colosseum in Rome. Mm -hmm. We would cheer for people to die. I mean, that's just fascinating to me. I cannot believe that human beings were that way. I, I, I cannot even imagine it. And now, you know, flash forward, here we are, But that same analogy of bread and circus is still present. The reason why people were so controlled back in ancient Rome is because they were given just enough bread and just enough circus or entertainment to keep them distracted from the fact that they were slaves. They were slaves. And so are we in some way, if we allow ourselves to be. Mm -hmm. The only way, in my opinion, that we can exit the matrix and not be a slave is to be financially, this goes back to the Pentagon, financial is the bottom floor. Financially free, mentally free, which is what you focus so much on. It's so powerful because I think in the order of operations, it's financial, it's mental, it's physical, then it's emotional, then it's spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like we have to look at this as a a holistic lens when we talk about breath and we talk about autonomy, when we talk about what you mentioned was like, being sovereign and not being controlled by the entity you mentioned. So we, we really have to look at life through a different lens. And until we do, we're going to keep prioritizing drinking on the weekends, Absolutely. watching crappy television, and doing anything we can to distract ourselves because we're not breathing.
1: Yes. Yes. Well said. I, I so appreciate you sharing that with us, Josh. And this kind of leads me into why is it so important to acknowledge our feelings and learn how to be present with our triggers? That's so hard for uh-huh. so many of us, right?
0: That's a great question. And I feel like you gave me like an amazing softball. So I'm gonna like hit it out of the park right now.
1: Please do. <laughs> no,
0: and I and I don't mean, I mean that in a very respectful way. Like you asked a question that for me is easy to answer, but there is so much to answer. We could do an entire yeah. podcast on just that question alone. Mm-hmm. So- really at at the core of what you're asking is how do we feel our feelings and how do we make our triggers our teachers? Mm -hmm. That's really at the core of it. Because when I'm triggered by Carrie Michelle, my partner, or when I'm triggered by um, even Nova, if he's crying, my son, he's crying for too long. Or if I'm triggered by something in business where I can tell somebody's being secretive, whatever I'm triggered by... It is absolutely something for me to look at within myself. Mm-hmm. I ran a men's group this year, and there was a guy in the men's group. I'll give an example because I think we all learn cool by stories. And there was a little, there was an intuitive hit. I got I got a little somatic experience in my stomach and in my solar plexus when the guy came in. I kind of knew that he wasn't the right fit, mm-hmm. but I thought, oh, I'm gonna ignore my intuition and I'm gonna see the best in this person. And I'm just going to cross my fingers that maybe this time I'm wrong. Well, guess what? We're never wrong. Mm. We're never wrong when it comes to what we're feeling. That's the key. Yes. It ended up being a cancer in the group. This person made it all about them and uh. they kind of sabotaged the majority of the group. Mm. Now, granted, the group has gone on and we're going to, we're replacing people and things are breathing again and it's all good. And it was a learning experience that brought us closer together. But I will say that example of, we all can relate to this, we're in a friend group we're in a business or we're, we're in a group of any kind and someone in the group is bringing an energy that is actually constricting or compacting the connection or the freedom to express in that group. And that's a really big deal because we all have an empathetic wiring in our brain that's a lot of why there is this complicit action when it comes to COVID and, and uh, in a lot of other ways, like why people aren't speaking up in the media. Mm-hmm. And that empathetic wiring is both for us and it's against us. Because of course, I want to make sure that even you have a great life. You know, I'm here on your podcast and I'm like, how can I give the most value and how can I connect with everybody the most? But if I took that too far mm-hmm. and I, I, I felt an emotion like, like empathy or like connection, Or I I felt something that directed me so far on the other side where because I want to help someone, I'm actually going to make a four-year-old who's a boy think he's a girl. Mm, I'm actually going to go into schools and start literally writing pornographic material that children are reading where it talks about you can choose your gender, you can choose your body parts. It's absolutely... uh, mental torture. I think, it's, I think mm. it's child abuse what's going on. Yes, yes. I
1: can,
0: I can quote, be such a goody-goody or, or want to do so good for others that I take that moral justification and I flex my value and I push so hard to the other side that now I've actually disconnected from what I'm feeling. Mm. And I've used my mind to override what I'm feeling, which is just empathy and reverence into virtue signaling and a higher moral superiority. And that's the danger of Feeling your feelings so deeply that you really lost the significance of what you're feeling actually is. And then on the trigger side, of course, anytime, as I mentioned, we are triggered, it is an invitation to heal something inside of ourselves, no matter what it is. And I know that sounds like a very um, complex and contradicting answer, but truly, like whatever I'm feeling in any moment is definitely something that lives inside of me. There's evil in me there's malice in me. And if I'm not at peace with that and on a consistent basis, taking inventory of where does all this aggression and where does all this crunchiness live inside of me, I'm going to subconsciously project that onto other people Mm. without me even knowing it. And I'm in a beautiful way going to attract people that trigger me the most. I mean, that's what relationship is. I don't know if y'all got the memo. Real relationship, real sacred intimacy is about how you trigger one another and how you move through it. There is no such thing as good vibes only. That is the biggest load of BS I've ever heard. There is absolutely in nature or life, no such thing Mm -hmm. as good vibes only. I see these people with the sweatshirts and it's like good vibes only. It makes me want to puke.
1: Yeah, <laughs> me too. Oh, there's there's a middle road there. <laughs> I'm so with you, Josh. <laughs> well, that's just denial and avoidance, in my opinion.
0: That's right, hundred percent. It's like
1: uh, I don't I don't want to rock the boat. Let's just go with the flow, even though this is I'm really not okay with this. <laughs> I before I went through, you know, quite a bit of counseling, and you know, this is ongoing work. But before I went through counseling, I really started to see how this was playing out in my life. Mm. Again, going back to community, how, yes, we need those people in our life so that we can work through these things together. But if that other individual, for example, is not willing to also look at their own stuff Mm -hmm. and look at their own triggers, then that's also problematic. So, I mean, that's, and this is another show, of course, right? Yeah so I don't want to go too far into this, but you made me think about, you know, kind of this, this spectrum of where we go and, you know, yes, you can go too far and the virtual signaling thing, which just drives me nuts. And, mm. But then there's the other side that goes too far as well, where we just don't care.
0: Yeah, nihilism and putting our head in the sand is easy. Right. And I'm not sitting here on some moral high ground where I'm justifying judgment I have towards people that give up. I mean, shit, I've been there.
1: We all have. I've I've given up in life where I'm
0: like, eh, Mm -hmm. I'll just put my dream on the side, and certainly, you know, I'll 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 make money, and then I'll just have my little dream on the side. It doesn't work that Mm -hmm. way. You either live your dream life or you don't. I'm sorry, that's Mm -hmm. the cold, stark reality. And so, Mm -hmm. when it comes to people that give up, I have compassion for them because I've been there. And also, there's another way: giving up and having complete um, nihilism, like there's no point to it all. Or even, honestly, the worst. The worst thing ever is apathy.
1: Ah, yes. Apathy,
0: in my opinion, is actually more destructive than rage or sadness or grief. Yeah. Apathy. And and I don't know if you've talked about this on the show, but there's a really powerful author that I've studied for many years, and his name is Dr. Hawkins. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a book called Power Versus Force. And he talked about this frequency scale in the book where at the very bottom of everything— on a scale of zero to a thousand, a thousand being enlightenment, 250 being courage, 500 plus being love, at the at like basically zero or almost close to zero is apathy. Is, is the lowest, oh, and then below that is shame. Shame is the lowest mm. frequency. Yeah. And by the way, frequency means how many times something moves on a scale. So if I say that shame is a hundred hertz, it just means that shame, if you were to measure the frequency of shame, it moves a hundred times vibration is everything in the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, shame and then above that is apathy. If you and I are apathetic to life, it means that we have not just given up. It's that we don't even care that we've given up. Yeah. And that is the most, I believe, apathy and shame are the most destructive forces in the universe. So, if any of us are experiencing those things, it's okay. It's all beautiful, it's all perfect, but it's all painful. Because it's wanting us to move to the next level, which is sacred anger. Mm -hmm. Because after anger comes inspired action Mm -hmm. and then acceptance. And then you start walking the ladder up to these other emotions that are more empowering. So I, I, I do think that it's really important that we get clear on how to feel our stuff. I have a unique process that I've been working on for a book actually everyone's in a collective amnesia where we're all yes. remembering what we've forgotten, Yeah, how great we are, how loved we are, how beautiful we are. Look, it's easy for me to sit here with us on this podcast where up, you create a beautiful space, right? You're curious, you, you have a passion. I mean, I looked at your website, like you're serving people in the deepest way. When you create a space like that, it makes people feel safe to express and it makes curiosity flourish. Mm-hmm. So what I'm about to share, it's easy for us to take from here and feel from here. But what do we actually do with what we're about to talk about when the podcast turns off? That's the biggest part. Yes. What, are, what, are we, what inspired action can we take? And I think it boils down to a lens. The, the lens that I've been working on and, and what I've been working on for the book that I'm writing is a concept that I call emotional intelligence squared. So it's a process of emotional inventory and connecting three layers of head, heart, and soul. So we think about like the head. The head is where our executive function happens, where everything happens in the brain. It's where we give and receive information. And it's also where we're safe. And then our heart space, you know, our, our chakra, um, our anahata, this is like where we really feel things in life. This is where our feelings direct us to our emotions, which is energy and motion. And then on a soul level or a gut level, I think this is really a connection to God, to higher power, to something outside of ourselves that we trust. And we lean on when things get really hard. Yeah. So how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we put our head, Samantha, our heart and our soul in alignment? And I went through the gamut on this and it was actually earlier this year that I was, I was at a little retreat and I crept away and I was journaling and I, and I just had like this, aha, I got it. Like, I, this is how we do it. We actually do a process called CCI, which is curious, compassionate inquiry. I get a piece of paper. And it's a simple piece of paper. And on the I draw a line down the middle. I'm going to do it right now. And on the one side, I I draw a minus sign. And on the other side, I draw a plus sign. The minus sign is anything in life that I know is causing me pain. Mm -hmm. Anything in life that I know is hurting me, constricting me, relationship, job, whatever it is. And I go to 10. So 1 through 10 on the left. Then on the plus side, I write all the things that I'm truly grateful for. And not just things that I'm like ticking the box for. I mean things that I really, like I'm grateful for our conversation today. I really am. And I'm grateful that people are spending their time with us. Like I really am. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that um, I get to sleep eight hours. I'm grateful that this morning I got to meet with a friend and we had a smoothie together. And it was this beautiful. I'm I'm grateful for these things. And And I write those down. And then this is the key in this first part of the inquiry process. And I promise I'll bring this all together and please interrupt me if you want to.
1: I love it. I love where we're going. Yeah, please go on ahead.
0: On one side, I have all the things that hurt me. On the other side, I have all the things that expand me. Mm. I circle the one on the left that is causing me the most pain. And we all know what it is. Everybody knows if they did an inventory. We all know that there's one thing in our lives that is causing us the most constriction. Yes. And then I circle the one on the right that lights me up the most. and I And I draw a little connection. I put arrows and I, I ask myself, okay, I put my hand on my heart. I put my hand on my stomach and I take a deep breath. <sighs> and I go, huh, who in my life? I'm curious. This is the curious part of it. Who in my life could I reach out to right now? Maybe it's as my coach. Maybe it's the wellness and wisdom podcast. Maybe it's this podcast. Who, who can I go to that leads something that has a a life that I love, that I could see myself embodying. And who can I share this with? A family member, a friend member. Who can I share my inventory process with? Because Mm -hmm. when we share things, they become a spell. They become so real for us. So for example, I might do this exercise with you, Samantha, and I would say, you know, I did my inventory process and I realized that what's causing me the most pain right now is actually my health. My health Mm -hmm. is causing me the most pain. And... You know, I'm willing to change my health and I'm willing to do it. And this is key by when. I'm willing to invest the resources or time or whatever it is. And and I actually tell you as my coach, this is the date as to which I'm executing so I can relieve myself from this pain. And then Mm. you tell the person, and I'm doing it because for my example, I'm doing it for my son. Maybe in in some times of despair, we don't even have the charisma or the, or the, the weight to do it for ourselves. Maybe we have to do it for other people, our family, our kids, our... Someone, someone else yeah. that we care about in life. And so that mm-hmm. moves us forward to the inspired action. So that is like a very simple way of doing this, this inventory. And then from there, this is the last portion of this, this EI2 process. After I've done the CCI, I get really curious about what's going on. I make a commitment. I speak to someone else. There's so much power in being vulnerable and actually me sharing with you what, I'm, what I want to do, what I have a desire to do. There is a quick caveat that I want to share and I'm sure you've seen this in your work, we have to be very cautious about who we share our dreams with.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So you have to
0: build your intuitive faculty to know, all right, if I'm doing the CCI process and I'm in this emotional intelligence squared and I do reach out to Samantha and I share, I have to make sure that she's actually someone that has my highest goals in mind and that has my highest dream in mind. You'll know when you share because you'll either leave their presence feeling more open and less closed. And you'll know you can find who your true friends are by the way. Yes. When you start getting this real with them mm-hmm. because they'll show you if they have the the chops to actually hold space for you or not. And so this last part is of the CCI is really okay, I ask myself like five big questions. And the five big questions are and we always go five wise deep. With your clients, how many wise deep do you go on stuff? Is it Is it five? Is it 15? Like, you know how kids ask parents, why, 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 why? Yes. How many whys do you typically go deep?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question because I think in all honesty, it depends on the person that I am helping and walking through their journey with. So it could start anywhere from, you know, maybe 15 or 20 different points. Of course, that's from a health perspective. But then once we work on that, as we talked about previously, then the emotional... Aspect starts to get kind of heated up and yeah. you start to see things a little bit differently. So that's another layer, right? if, if that makes sense. It
0: makes perfect sense because I'm thinking, like, okay, in order to let, like, think of this kind of crude analogy, but we bury people six feet deep, right? Mm. So if we want yeah. some emotional being or if we want some mental construct to die, we have to go at least five or six feet. We have to ask yeah. at least five or six deep questions. Mm-hmm. So the first question that I write, and by the way, this is after we've done the first part that I've talked about. Mm-hmm. After we've done the first part of the CCI, then we go a little bit deeper. We start to actually engage the mind. First, honestly, all we did was we just engaged like the psyche. We're like, okay, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see what's in my pantry. Like mm. we, ah, we did, we did that analogy. basically. Mm -hmm. And then from after that inventory process, then we go deeper. Then we actually start listening to the mind as a lens. Okay, here's the five questions that I ask. What Mm -hmm. am I thinking? Write it down. I'm thinking that um, I'll be fat forever. I'm thinking that I am genetically cursed. I'm thinking that it's too hard for me to lose weight. I mean, just list them all out and get Mm -hmm. it uh, almost like you're emptying a garbage can. Just like get it out of there. And then what thoughts are running through my mind about these person? In other words, what thoughts are looping? So I might have thoughts that I feel, but what's the, what's the predominant thought that is like really coming through? What, what story essentially? What story is my mind telling me about this? And then another big one, two big ones. This is, this is like we talked about earlier. Am I reliving the past? Mm, yeah. So I've, I've gotten to this thing. I've done, I've done my inventory and I've circled my thing. And I know, okay, Is this thing something that I'm reliving from my past? Am I just raking up old stuff? And am I just doing it? Or am I projecting my fear of this thing that I took inventory on? Am I putting it in the future? Yes. If you go that deep, you're going to find something. You're going to find something really beautiful. And then now what we've done, Samantha, is we've like satisfied the mind. Mm -hmm. Now the mind can rest a little bit. So it's not like the tyrant that's overpowering the heart and the soul. And this kaleidoscope lens that, that I'm really learning more about, and a lot of people in our, our, I guess you could say, our field of health or wellness or personal development, they put a lot of intellectual terms on this stuff. Yes. So just because I'm saying CCI, EI2, it's just a way for me to conceptualize it. It doesn't mean you guys even have to call it this, right? But at the end of it, we have a moment where now that we've calmed the mind, this is how I do it. I put my hands, both hands on my solar plexus and my heart, and I take 20 to 30 circular breaths. And this is exactly how I do it. I'll just do three with Mm -hmm. you right now. We can do it together. Mm -hmm. Inhale through your nose, exhale through your mouth like a circle. Imagine with your eyes closed that you're drawing a circle. And I'll ask myself— what does my heart have mm-hmm. to say? What is, and I'll do that 20 to 30 times. What does my heart have to say about this thing that I've identified? Mm. Ah, my heart's telling me that I'm sad. Mm-hmm. My heart's telling me that I have grief that needs to be released. My heart's telling me that I have a lot of baggage that I actually really want to go let go of. I want to go to a, um, a plant medicine ceremony. I want to go to a breath work facilitation. I want to do something to get this grief out of my system.
1: Yeah.
0: Then you start connecting the dots. And then if you go even lower, and this is like the advanced portion of the, of the EI2, you really get to this place where you can, now that you've calmed your mind, now that you've given a voice to your heart, now you can just sit there and be like, okay, what does God have to say?
1: Mm, what does soul have that. to say? It's beautiful.
0: What does yeah. soul have to say about this? Ah, uh, soul has to say that this is the only possible route. The only way out is through. yes for me to heal this for my lineage, Mm. for my grandparents, for my great-great-grandparents, for my mother and father that struggle with the same key issue. Because all of these things are... Epigenetics are applying to physical and emotional. There's physical epigenetics. There's emotional epigenetics as well. We get passed Mm. on emotions just like we do um, predispositions for health. And then wait for that answer. And depending on your meditation practice or whatever you're going through, wait for the answer to come in through soul or source or God or high intelligence. The the word doesn't matter. I'll just use God. Wait for that message to God. Put all of this down on paper. Put it up on your fridge or put it somewhere in your life where you can actually do something with it. Mm -hmm. I promise you when you do this, when you do this process, your life will change. Like it gives me, I have like my hair standing up on my body right now because I'm like, this is what I've done. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is This is what I've done to make sense of the becoming a new dad. The stresses mm. and the challenges that come with being a new dad or the stressors and challenges that came from the whole COVID theater and from the yeah, lockdowns and mask wearing. like
1: Moving was a big one for me. We
0: need a framework like this. And my yeah. framework either resonates or it doesn't. I'm not here to say that my way is the only way, right? I'm sure a lot of people that work with you, you know, you have your own style framework. Everybody has their framework. You take from everyone and you take what resonates and you leave the rest. Absolutely. And I think that is... That is really what we need to focus on as a society and starting with us, right? The, the yes. society inside of us.
1: Yes. Well, first off, that was amazingly beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. That was so powerful. I mean, just, just you and I having this conversation and and me doing that breathing process with you. And for our listeners, you know, you can pause and I hope that you'll re-listen to this episode again and again. Often what I do, this is just a little side note, but I will transcribe episodes that really speak to me. Of course, we have all the transcript on the site. So that's done for you when this episode airs. But I think that this is powerful in the sense that it's not hard. Again, we have choice. And one thing I want to kind of go back to, Josh, is that we have, you talked about when you connect with someone and you can tell. When you leave that individual, when you leave their presence, you can tell if they're for you or maybe not so much, which is heartbreaking. But I always say if this person is in your best interest, if you have someone, and I learned this in counseling, if you have someone that is really with you in that moment when you are sharing something, because it's not the guidance so much that people are giving, it's are they present with you Mm. when you're reliving that, when you're sharing that moment, that is such a a key piece of healing just to know, hey, you're with me, you're for me. You have my best interest at heart. That right there... It just really changed me in so many ways, mm. my heart, my spirit. When I finally found a counselor that first of all explained what spiritual warfare is because I really didn't understand it, yeah. even though I grew up in the church. That's again another show. But
0: <laughs> maybe two, three shows.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just just being honest there. But yeah. I, I really honed in on that because vulnerability, that's special. Mm-hmm. We don't look at vulnerability as special. You know, I have on my website my story. It took me a long time to write that, Mm. and I had to go through a process to write that out, very similar to what you just walked us through. And it was very healing. It was painful. But I wanted people to know, hey, this is where I've been. This is why I'm a practitioner today. I'd love for you to come on this journey with me and allow me to partner with you so that I can help support you in your hurting and in your suffering.
0: It's so powerful just to get down to the truth, isn't it? Like the truth, no matter what language you speak, no matter what body you're in, no matter how you identify. Yes. When we speak the truth, when we hear the truth, it like just sticks to our soul like peanut butter. I mean, there's just, the truth is so healing. It's so Mm -hmm. beautiful. The truth can make us cry like nothing else could. Like we cry from sadness, we cry from grief, but the tears that we cry from truth Mm. are so healing and so peaceful. I think that the truth makes us cry because we know that it's always there and we don't always do a perfect job about accessing it. It's almost like we we all have literally like this golden key in our hand and we just forget that it's there because we're afraid of the power of it. And honestly, Mm -hmm. I, I think that sometimes the the key of truth that we can speak or that we can hear is, is so powerful that we have to develop the courage in order to use it. Yeah. Because courage is not something that everyone is gifted. We have to develop courage. I mean, courage is a skill set. Yes. And, and it comes through, you know, for myself, like phew, tens of thousands of hours now of interviewing and researching and like sharing and being... Yesterday, I went on a podcast... And it was the first time in a long time I've been like really like fearful. I'm like, what am I afraid of? And I went through my own process. <laughs> I got down to wow. all of it and 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 God at the bottom of it, soul was telling me this is the only way that you can find your truth is by speaking it when you're afraid. It's the only yeah. possible way. And it was like this comforting feeling. And my heart was like, mm, I'm scared because... I know that when I go on this big podcast or I know that when I speak my truth, that it's going to resonate and I'm probably going to receive some judgment or some hatred or some, you know, Absolutely. compression from it. Mm-hmm. But I think it was even more that my heart was telling me I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing so much of the, of the pain in my life that I'm healing. So many times where my, I let go of my own dreams, I let go of the things that I wanted, I abandoned myself that that grief was coming up through my heart to be healed mm. by me having this big opportunity to speak on this global stage. And then, of course, my mind was telling me, you're going to mess it up. You're going to do all these things. So I went through the whole inventory, right? And the one that we always will connect with the most is our heart and our soul. Mm. Now, it's not to demonize the mind. I'm not here to dog the mind. Like, I need my mind, Samantha. We, we got to have our mind. Because we got to
1: have the mind. <laughs> if we don't have our mind, how are we going
0: to operate in the world? Exactly. But, but for me, the anchor of everything is my heart, and the heart is guided by the soul. So mm. that's how this whole thing works. So beautiful. And, and honestly, I I really feel like we're afraid. I feel like we're afraid to use that, that key of truth that we hold because in order to do so, I think we have to go through thousands thousands of these uh, inventory processes yes. on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis in order to have the courage to sometimes unlock the, the truth that we know we we, we know we must say, but we don't say it because of all the inventory stuff that, mm-hmm. that hasn't been unpacked yet.
1: Yes.
0: So it's really powerful for us to like tune in and just and stick with it. And, you know, years from now, if you do this, Years from now, you'll look back and go, wow, look at what I've created. Look at what I've accomplished because I've just done the actual work to understand who I am.
1: And that is so powerful. And I'm just, you know, again, just grateful that you walked us through this process and I'd love to know when the book's coming out. <laughs> but, you know, again, a, a simple <laughs> power. Yeah. <laughs> this amazing process. Of course, we're going to link to everything in the show notes. I so want people to partake of your offerings and your, your coaching and your, you know, what, what you're sharing and how you're leading people through in this way. Because one other thing that you said, Josh, that was really powerful. And I wrote this down as, you know, it's the story of yourself, but, if you're engaging with someone else in a way where it's very black and white yeah. or, you know, that's not healing, that's not going to work no. because you are unique. There's no one else like you on the planet. I always find that amazing down to the few hairs, you know, those tiny little hairs on your head, yes. you are precious. Yes, and right? like our thumb,
0: like there'll never be yeah, another, thumb another thumbprint. Like Samantha's.
1: Thumbprint, like like yours. Yeah. Or like Josh's. Isn't that amazing?
0: I had somebody explain this to me. Um, he was a mentor, Paul Check. I don't know if you heard of the Check yeah. Institute.
1: Oh, he is so awesome. Okay, I okay. love him. So he, he told me,
0: <laughs> he told me when it comes to God or to consciousness, and this is a way deeper, this is a way deeper conversation for them we can unpack here. But that you and I are a unique point of consciousness, almost like if consciousness was um a connected, like almost like expansion of dots and lines. And the center of it is God. And God is no thing and everything Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. And when I first heard that, I was like, whoa, I had to like really take that in. (laughs) So if there's no point to everything, then, oh my God, there's no point to everything. We should enjoy ourselves. Let's enjoy ourselves. So you and I are a unique expression, a unique point of consciousness. And so they'll never be, and this is why it's so sad, actually. And I, I feel this today with you right now. How sad is it that one day you won't be here anymore? Mm -hmm. And how sad is it that one day I won't be here anymore? And Mm -hmm. also, how much fuel does that create that we get to love as much as we can while we're here now? We get to live as much as we can while we're here now because one day we won't be able to. And so the paradox is like, yeah, we're not here forever. So let's enjoy the damn thing. Let's do our best to move through all this stuff And let's be vulnerable to do our EI2 process and to get curious about what's going on for us because good Lord, like we're all wounded. We're all Mm -hmm. healing. I don't care how evolved you are, how many millions of dollars you have. Everyone is going through their own silent war on the inside, no matter what they project on the outside. If y'all spent a day with me, you'd know that I'm pretty much like you. (laughs) I just happened to have like dove into this work like (laughs) you, Samantha, where we can speak from it from my higher self, my higher self is, yeah. is directing most of the conversation, but my lower self is still working on the stuff that I'm, that I'm sharing with y'all.
1: Yeah. And I, that's one of the things I've always really appreciated about you and your work, Josh, is that you, you're really open and honest about that. And you're not coming from this place of, and let's be honest, a lot of people do where, you know, I'm this amazing, evolved guru, makes me sick. if you will.
0: I know. I
1: hate it. And it's like, what really? I mean, it's I I mean, you're it makes makes me feel so much more connected to you to know that you're not perfect. It's just like I'm not perfect, right? Yeah. And we are always going to be evolving and working through our stuff. Yes. But that doesn't mean that we can't utilize all of the knowledge and the wisdom and the training that we had to help others because it's a constant process. Mm. You know, and I think that's I always try to tell everyone that I work with, and specifically in health and wellness. I'll I'll just, you know, even if it's functional medicine or or what have you, there's often just a lot, I see a lot of very black and white. It's got to be this way. Only these tests are valid, or only this is valid. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. There's a lot of testing methods that have validity. And that can give us good data. Nothing is perfect, of course. But to say, again, my way or the highway, ooh, that's a red flag for me.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. You know? yeah. and, and
1: again, just, yeah, going back to healing, you're going to have that amazing process with someone that is able to be present with you and to really see you
0: mm.
1: and not just be surface about it. I, I think more damage has been done, I'm speaking for myself here, in my healing journey by people that just... We're fair weather friends. Yeah. And it was very confusing. And I'm like, I don't understand this. I mean, these are supposed to be really good Christian women. And I look up to these women and I really care for them. And But this behavior doesn't make sense. I'm really confused, God. What is going on?
0: What behaviors were they exhibiting?
1: Oh they they disappear on me. I would I would share something with them that was, you know, really uh, painful or upsetting and they'd just disappear. Like, yes. you know, like it didn't even matter. And I I know now it was just because of their own evolution and their own stuff, they just couldn't handle it, which is fine. Mm. But that was that mirrors what happened to me growing up yes. and not having, you know, people that were present and there when they, you know, When they should have been. Yeah. So, of course, that's going to be a trigger for me. So now we're getting more into triggers, right? Again. (laughs) So I get triggered still Mm -hmm. when people ignore me and blow me off, especially people that I consider to be friends, good friends with, and that I've invested a lot of time in the friendship and support and love and encouragement. So I admit that's a trigger for me. That's hard.
0: And isn't it great that you can... See, it's beautiful because in the act of you admitting or in the act of you sharing that you still have triggers, you actually start to take away the trigger. You actually start to give the trigger the exact salve that it wants. Mm -hmm. This is the hardest thing. Yesterday when I went on this show... And the show is the Aubrey Marcus podcast. So it's like a very mm. well-known podcast yeah. out there. It's in the top 100. Mm-hmm. And I was really nervous. And in the first three minutes of the podcast, I literally named what I was experiencing. I was like, we were talking about life. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I had some imposter syndrome coming up before I went on your show today. Wow. And I just went right to it. That's awesome. Because then it takes the pressure off of me And it gives people an understanding that like, I'm not on the mountain. I don't have this thing perfectly wired. And then we went on to have this great conversation. But if I wouldn't have done that, if I wouldn't have actually spoken it to the room.
1: Gotten it out of the way. To actually address the trigger.
0: For for me, it was a trigger that I shared with y'all. I I did the process earlier. I did it that morning. That allowed me to have the spaciousness to share and express. Remember the opposite of of depression is expression. The opposite of anxiety is the present moment. So that, that's what I was doing. I was practicing that. And I think that, mm-hmm. that made all the difference, really. That made all the difference. And you know who I learned that from was Gay Hendricks. Gay Hendricks, uh. Gay and Katie Hendrix are very powerful in what they do. Have you followed some of their work?
1: Mm-hmm. I have, yes.
0: So he, he told me a story and he, and he wrote about it in one of his recent books where the very first talk he ever gave, he was on a stage and he shared with everyone. He did a talk before and he was like nervous, but he didn't share. So it was actually the second talk he ever did. And the second talk he ever did, he went out there and he was like, hey, you know what's really interesting? I'm going to tell you all a joke. I was fumbling around this morning and I realized I was so nervous to talk to you. Isn't that funny? And he made them laugh. Because he owned, here's Gay Hendricks, one of the best speakers, one of the best writers of our time. And he's sharing that like 30, 40 years ago, he just went for it. He just, uh, he just put it out there. Like, this is what I'm experiencing right now. And when we do that, it gives people permission to do the same.
1: Mm-hmm. Indeed, it does. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful practice to be able to get into that, that space of just, you know, again, being vulnerable and honest and just just throwing out there, hey, this is kind of what I'm experiencing right now. And, yes. and how can we weave that into the discussion that we're having? And of course, when people are listening in, that's healing them too. And like you said, giving them the permission and the space and the freedom. I like that word freedom as well to say, oh, wow. Yeah, I think... I know I struggle with that too. And, you know, if Sammy says it's okay, and she's sharing her story online, I hear this the most, Josh, I want to work with you just because I know that you get it. Yeah. You've been there. You've been suicidal. You've been overweight. You've been, you've hated your body. And I want to work with someone that understands what that feels like. Yep. That really just makes me feel, gosh, so privileged and so honored that someone chooses me to help them in their healing journey. And I I go, wow, okay, thanks, God. Thank you. It it all had meaning. I see the meaning now. Thank you. (laughs) I get it.
0: Yeah. It
1: sucked. And I was mad at you for a long time, but you know,
0: (laughs) this has been so good. I've really thank you for the space you've created for me to to share and. You know, I totally honor the work you do in the world. And I was Thank thinking you, about what Josh. you said earlier, where, you know, you, when you share with certain friends and they leave and how honest you, what you were about your trigger. And I just feel like this. I just feel like we, we really can tell who our true friends are yeah. by the way that they support us as we chase down a dream. yeah. And chasing down a dream could be like our podcasting, it could be our business, or it could just be us being a great mother or father or Mm -hmm. husband or wife or human being. Like you really start to know who your your true, true friends are by the way they support you when you chase your dream.
1: Yeah, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it.
0: I just wish that everybody chases their dream.
1: Amen to that, yeah.